Peter Williams from One O'Clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now a welcome to Dr Matt Shelton, a very brave doctor, currently without a practising certificate, but still registered with the New Zealand Medical Council. And there are a number of things I want to talk to Matt about this afternoon, but uh, but first, Matt, can you just update us on your status as a medical professional? I've said you are not uh, practising, but you're still registered, aren't you? Yeah, hi, Peter. Um, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, I'm on the medical uh, the medical register, um, but I haven't got a um, practising certificate um, at the moment. I chose not to reapply when it um, became due uh, because I, I just uh, won the right um, to have my medical license back in the in the district court um, against the medical council, but they immediately moved to uh, resuspend me, um, and then my certificate lapsed shortly afterwards anyway. Um, and, and I've been as as busy as anyway, and I would rather, um, you know, n- not be actively suspended um, at, at the moment. So, you know, I'm, I'm clawing my way back, um, and, and I've just um, knocked back a, um, a move by the HTC, the Health and Disability Commission, um, to get me to the Health Practitioners Disciplinary Tribunal, which is the, the kind of the last you know the, the sort of the final um, the final place that does have the power actually to take people off registers and levy quite substantial fines actually. Um, so we, we've knocked that back um, for now anyway. So um, you know it's 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 not all doom and gloom for sure. So have you got ambitions to practice as a doctor again sometime in the future? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's 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 all I know what to do. Um, well, actually, no, I have a, a, another life as a, as a musician, actually. But um, you know, I've I've started medical school forty two years ago. You know, I've I've mostly loved most of what I've done. Um, you know, I think I've still got a, a contribution to make. Um, and I, you know, I don't think I'm a bad doctor. So, um, you know, we're, 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 as you know, there's there's a much bigger picture here, and it's not just me. I mean, there's twenty five or twenty six. 25 other doctors who've also been variously disciplined um, or driven out of medicine or, or are being sort of, you know, politically re-educated at the moment. Um, so, you know, it's not just me for sure. Uh, excuse me if this is an insensitive question, but if you haven't been able to work uh, in your normal profession for a couple of years, has it been tough financially for you? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's not what it was for sure, but, um, you know, I've, 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 I've found some work. and. Um, you know, I'm I'm in a much better position than than many many people, um, of course, who were forced out of their jobs and their their you know their careers um, when they chose to be unvaccinated. Um, you know, and a lot of what I've been doing has been, um, you know, as as you know, being you know, trying to be active in in that area, um, trying to uncover exactly what's gone on and why, um, and, and what we can do about it. Um, so, you know, having a, a few shreds of time on my hands, um, and, and actually having been very um, Sort of re-engaged with the political process in the last wee while. I've chucked my hat to the political ring. Ring, as you as you may know, I'm, I'm a candidate for Democracy NZ um, here in Wellington with, in the next election um, because I, I still think that there's um, you know there's a lot of value in in the institutions that we've you know we've we've mugged up uh, and and you know we we just need to get some accountability back um, and some you know responsiveness to to the people. Um, because you know, it seems that what's going on is a is a you know a temporary situation where many of the people at the top have just been captured by their own 
you know, fear of, of what they were told was going to be happening. Um, and, and this kind of momentum for, um, you know, rolling out these absolutely unprecedented restrictions and controls on the population for, for what was, was very quickly shown to be a, a, you know, not nearly as bad as everybody thought right at the beginning. Um, and yet we've plowed on and done these things we've never done before for what in most people has been, you know, a, a, a mild flu or a nasty cold or a cold or in fact no symptoms at all, as, as we know that many people who've tested positive um, for this this thing weren't actually sick either. So I think there's still there's still value in, in in the political process, and and you know I've always been a big fan of of democracy, and um, I think we can we can reestablish things if we can get the right messages and, and build on the momentum that seems to me already, uh, you know, significant. There's definitely a kind of a groundswell of concern and and a kind of an awakening to what you know what the implications are of what we've all been. I'm forced to do in the last few years. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, democracy NZ at this time. I also want to talk about the international health regulations, uh, which was the main reason for calling you up to to get you uh, on again this afternoon. But the IHRs, I'll, I'll come back to that shortly. Let's talk about democracy NZ. We've got this thing in New Zealand. We've had it for 33 years called the Bill of Rights Act, uh, Section 11. As we all became very familiar with, said you do not have to undergo medical procedures if you don't want to. But somehow that was overruled because they've got this thing called Section 5, which says that this bill is subject to... Uh, what is it, limitations that can be justifiably demonstrated in a free and democratic society, blah, blah, blah. That seemed to me, uh, according to the judiciary, to be the absolute get-out-of-jail card as far as um, government and and those doing the mandating was concerned because who would have thought that uh, you could be essentially forced, coerced, or whatever you want to call it, into uh, a medical procedure? And as you've said, and you're one of them, uh, thousands of people have lost their jobs, lost their careers because of something that, according to law, should never have happened. Look, that, that's right, and I mean it's it's you know it's not just jobs too. I mean families and relationships have been destroyed um, because of the kind of polarizing effect. You know the absolute chill um, that, that's that's been driven through society. Um, and, you know, and it's been, you know, it's been really saddening and, and shocking actually to see, you know, how quickly, um, you know, the, the, the barricades were drawn and, and this issue became, you know, so polarizing, um, you know, you almost sense that some people are sort of, you know, rubbing their hands in glee right at the top to actually see what's being done to society. Um, and, and you're absolutely right about the importance of having a sort of foundational document that actually must be completely solidified into law uh, and really have no um, no justified limitations because, you know, you you give people an inch and they've taken a mile in this case. Um, and it's what I liked first listening to uh, Matt King, who, who set up Democracy NZ as a party, um, is, is, you know, that, that if you don't have, um, you know, a black and white solid kind of, um, you know, guarantee that, that first and foremost, human rights and freedoms that actually, are, if you look at it, they're very, very recent in human history. It's really only the last 100, 150 years that, that most of us can take for granted that we're not living in, in slavery and, and fear and, you know, misery, most of us. Um, I mean, there have always been people on the planet who've done just fine, but, um, you know, the, the, the number of us that have been, um, you know, subjected to this barrage of, of, um, of control and, and, and things 
is, um, you know, it's, it's really got to wake people up um, pretty soon. So, you know, Matt's entire focus and, and the party's focus is, is getting back into law, um, you know, a, a solid sort of codified document that, um, that everything else that we do, all policy, um, everything governments do, um, you know, has to first of all accord with with that, and that principle is already established in law. Actually, it's just called the principle of legality, which is that you know new statutes and existing statutes have to all um, you know conform with each other, and you know, especially including the, the the Bill of Rights. So you know, we, we're learning a lot about how much the government actually knew right at the beginning of all this. Um, you know, they they um, the, the whole safe and effective narrative um, was impossibly optimistic. Um, and, and as it turns out, frankly, lies based on the information that's coming out through um, OIA requests. Um, you know, we're, we're basically teasing together all the parts of the jigsaw. So the things have gone badly wrong. Um, and, and we have a parliament that's essentially sat there um, and rubber stamped, you know, most of what the government's wanted to do. Um, because I suppose most of the opposition MPs were also enthralled to this idea that we were all going to die if we didn't do something and the only thing the only option we were presented was to wait you know wait until the jab came along um and um, you know, and we know that's all not true you know we know that medsafe wasn't happy to approve it and that it actually took a you know a, a, another government appointed committee just to tell them to get on with it um and get it approved um we know that some of the government scientists itself uh, recommended to the government that they didn't actually have a second jab for children and that um you know children were not to be punished um, through you know being mandated out of out of sports and social activities in school um, if they didn't have the second jab and the government which was saying that we you know everything we've done we've done because of uh, the advice from our scientific advisors actually the government ignored that and went ahead and did it anyway so there's been a lot wrong with the way that parliament has has sort of sat there um, and, and and just overseen well has just watched really I mean they, they you know a few of them mutely voted against mandates and things but the very notion that you would force people to take a medical experiment um and that you would do this to um to pregnant women who, who if they wanted to keep their jobs um had to take the jab uh, and to children with such little testing and such early signs of lack of safety and efficacy um you know means that somebody's got to try and do something and i'm very very pleased to be alongside people who you know all of us never imagined that we would be politicians one day and yet see you know see a need to basically step up and try and do something um to to you know re restore the country to the way that we you know we thought it was can we just talk about something you said there about the advice from medsafe i think on the day that rcr started back on the 20th of march uh, thomas cranmer oh, yeah. the lawyer writing as uh, as a pseudonym uh published a story which basically said, according to official information requests that uh, he'd received, that Chris James, as the general manager of MedSafe, had been advising the Director General of Health, Ashley Bloomfield, I think, that uh, he was not happy. And as you've just alluded to, he was not happy to approve this particular uh, vaccine, uh, this treatment, because he did not see the long-term safety signals. And that was, of course, impossible to have long-term safety data, wasn't it? Because the the, the process, the, the vaccine w was just so new. Yet Chris James, as a highly paid and I presume highly qualified uh, public servant in that role, was overruled. And that, to me, just seems extraordinary. It's his job, after all, to approve the medicines that New Zealanders use. That's what MedSafe is all about. Yet he was he was beaten down, and 
That doesn't seem right, uh, Matt. Um, no, it's not. But I don't think it's quite that um, that black and white, Peter. Um, I think he was always going to refer this on because it, you know it, it was known that it was um, you know it was mugged up very quickly and that there wasn't proper safety testing. There'd been um, basically no human clinical trials, you know, of, of the sort we'd normally expect um, to get a med- medicine properly registered. Um, so it was a huge responsibility on him, and I think because he had the availability of this committee. Um, the Medicines Assessment Advisory Committee. Um, I, I think he was always going to do that. You know, he was able to in law, um, and essentially he was passing the buck. Uh, I mean, he's not a clinician. Um, I think he's a pharmacist originally, and, and, and there were obviously some doctors on this this committee um, who spent half a day, you know, looking at everything, um, and and just just got on with it. But I think the, the you know the expectation from government um, and from the community, you know, from our, our country, I, I, I think frankly. Um, at the time was that this thing would be made available as fast as possible. Um, so, you know, I felt it was always going to be a shoe-in, um, and, and that certainly seems to be what happened. Yeah, there seemed to be comment around also that because it's been approved in the United States, then it must be good because, after all, the FDA would never go about uh, harming its people, would it? Except that it didn't take long for us <laughs> to realise uh, how the FDA operates as well, that the relationship between the federal, uh, sorry, the Food and Drug Administration and Big Pharma is is right down to an individual level. You know, people in these uh, in, in these roles jump between the two organisations. And uh, was it Mr Gottlieb, who was uh, head of the FDA, used to work for Pfizer? So, I mean, really, you, you just can't trust these organisations, can you, when you hear that sort of information? Oh look, yeah, you you just actually have to laugh. It's, it's the way you tell them, Peter. Um, yeah, I mean this this revolving door thing, um, and and where most of the funding that the FDA gets to do its thing, you know, comes from the drug industry through you know the huge fees that the pharma companies have to pay to get their drugs through through approval. Um, yeah, I mean, look, look, you're absolutely right. It's it's certainly not you know not the gold standard, but you know other um, sort of quasi government organisations like the MHRA. Um, in the UK um, and, and the, the, the TGA in Australia, you know, have all been shown to have gone through similar sort of rubber stamping, um, you know, as, as a formality, you know, in the face of alarming safety signals already, you know, even before our rollout started here, um, you know, there was unprecedented reporting of deaths and injuries, you know, in the UK and in the States, you know, in countries that were already doing the vaccine before we did, that should have been enough to have actually stopped our planned rollout in its tracks. Um, but there's just been a complete silence and, and, and you know, ignoring of of things that previously, you know, would have would have got a, a, a new product like this, you know, taken off the market after the first handful of deaths around the world. Well, there was a death. We've seen all this. There was a death in New Zealand uh, as early as 2021. I was still working at the radio station uh, based out of Tauranga when there was a, a coronial inquiry, which said a person had died as a consequence. Of, of the vaccine. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but an awful lot of other medications are pulled from the shelves really quickly if there is a hint of harm that might be caused. Uh, there have been various medicines that possibly have uh, had carcinogenic uh, qualities to them that have been taken off the shelves really quickly without any actual harm being caused to, to the patients that use them. But here we have a coronial decision, and there was another one, wasn't there, with uh, Rory Nairn. So we know of at least two people officially who have died from the vaccine, yet 
there was no move to withdraw this medicine. It just seems just quite extraordinary that people died as a consequence of a mandated medicine, but nobody wanted to withdraw it. I mean, that I've never been able to figure that out. That's just um, that's just awful governance on the part of all of our politicians, isn't it, at the at central government? Well, look, it is, and you summarise it very well. Um, and, and the impression, if you step back and you look not just at what's happening here but elsewhere, the impression is that you know all of the countries that are now heavily vaccinated um, behaved in the same way. You know, and it was as if there was there was an imperative, and there were you know orders just delivered, get this done, and and that all the, the countries have scrabbled around using their own particular legislation and legal frameworks to try and justify what's happened. And there's been lots of backfilling and and um, you know, juggling, you know, juggling laws, um, and and then when these things have been tested in the courts in in the various countries, you know, the judges have have all essentially found the same, you know, little loopholes and get out of jail cards um, around. Well, look, yes, it's not great for human rights, but um, look, there's a pandemic on, um, and the government experts tell us that that far far more people would have died from COVID than than were risked were at risk from the vaccine. But the, the problem was that we had no, you know, medium or long-term data. There was a little bit of short-term data from the, the initial clinical trials, and, and they weren't great, actually. Um, but the problem is that people started getting serious or fatal injuries from this vaccine immediately. So we know that in the short term, there are problems showing up. We're now kind of into the medium term, uh, and all these countries are seeing skyrocketing all-cause mortality. Um, so more people are dying of more things, you know, at younger ages in the heavily vaccinated countries. Um, and, and there's a sort of, you know, a, a deafening frown from people in the media and everybody's saying, oh, it's a mystery and we don't know why this is. And you have this giant elephant in the room that nobody's allowed to discuss. Um, and, and that if we don't, we risk, you know, the medium term and then the long term consequences playing out. And, and it just seems to me, um, and in fact, all the other doctors that I've I've been working with in NZDSOS, that, that you know, all, all the worst things that we worried might happen, um, you know, are, are, are playing out. And there's plenty of clinical confirmation and peer-reviewed data, um, you know, showing that actually we should have done um, teratogenicity trials. That, that, that's looking looking for, for um, you know, harm of an unborn baby. We should have done um, carcinogenicity trials, you know, looking for, looking for, cancer and, and all these other things. And because we were told we didn't have time because COVID was so terrible, and, and as I say, for most people, it was a cold or a flu, um, that, that we just had to suck it up and take the risks. Uh, and, and with absolute liability protection for the manufacturers of these things. Um, you know, and, and, and here we are, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's looking really bad. Something is killing off people. Um, and because there's just a refusal from our, you know, paid investigators and regulators and politicians to even acknowledge there's a problem, let alone go and investigate. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a disaster. And as you say, the, the first death was April 2021. That, that has been acknowledged. I think there's four four in total now. Um, but the, from our point of view, the problem is that there just aren't enough post-mortems and coronial inquiries happening, um, you know, given the hundreds and hundreds of people who, you know, have actually died quite close to their vaccination. But compared to other medicines, Matt, I, I come back to the, the point I made before that so many other medicines are withdrawn, not just in New Zealand, but in other places around the world, once there is just a hint of uh, of a bad outcome, whether it be through 
carcinogenic uh, qualities or maybe causing heart problems, heart palpitations or whatever. So many of those medicines are withdrawn so quickly. Here we have official confirmation that death has been caused by a medicine, yet this medicine is still available. That, to me, is just incomprehensible. Well, so much, so much about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, make, yeah. makes you scratch your head to put, yeah. it, to put it mildly, yeah. or, or you know, scream your head off, um, you know, in a darkened room somewhere. Um, but but it's actually worse than that because, um, you know, round about one in five. I mean, that was the rule of thumb that I was taught. Uh, one in five of all medications that actually make it through properly conducted clinical trials that can take, you know, years and years, especially if you're looking for long-term cancer risk and things like that. Um, You know, about one in five of those medications are subsequently withdrawn once they're on the market because it actually turns out that, you know, there are health issues or or it wasn't as effective um, as as the clinical trials that led to their approval um, seem to suggest. But here, you know, we don't even have any of those um, clinical trials. And, you know, we, we've actually been here before. And what got my attention early on was that I remember very, very clearly um, working through the swine flu epidemic in, um, was it 2008? Um, and the WHO and the drug industry were very severely criticized afterwards for having beaten up the severity of the flu um, and, and rushed through a vaccine that did actually, um, you know, harm several hundred British schoolchildren. Um, they got um, neurological damage and there were a handful of deaths. Um, and so it was withdrawn. Um, but the European Commission did a, a review and criticised very strongly that, that it was never, you know, it was never that bad. And I can remember working through it, <clears throat> excuse me, because I mean, I've, you know, worked through numerous flu type epidemics and, and things. I mean, you know, every winter there's some bug that does the round, you know, and, and, and sometimes they're more severe and we all know what influenza feels like. You know, you just feel like, death and you just stay in bed for a week um but the swine flu wasn't wasn't a severe clinical illness but a lot more people seemed to get it so it was more infectious but but you know not as um not 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 as bad um so you know here we are what 15 years later um and and you know the who is busy you know frightening the bejesus out of everybody left right and center um and and about to essentially you know, roll out this power grab where where they're wanting to become in complete charge of, of all the member com- countries' um, sort of health policy, but their ability to call a you know call a, a, a pandemic, um, no matter how mild the illness, and this is one of the big changes that, that's happened. The definition of the pandemic no no longer needs to include that the bug is 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 lethal or highly dangerous. It just needs to mean that lots of people can get it. Um, you know, they're able to declare this 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 sort of state and impose on any member country these very draconian controls. Um, and, and you know, this is this is imminent. There's a vote happening, um, sort of in the next few weeks, uh, which only needs to be by a simple majority now. Um, it was 75% to make major changes, and they've dropped it down to 50% um, to get this across the line. And and you know, m- most people I don't think understand the implications of of what this what this is going to mean. Um, so, um, you know, I don't know if you want to talk, talk, talk more about that. Indeed. Well, these are the international health regulations that are being debated by the World Health Assembly. There is a New Zealand delegation, I presume, uh, at the World Health Assembly. It's the essentially the governing assembly of the, the WHO. So there will be some New Zealand officials there. Their names have not been made public. I know Andrew Little led the delegation a year ago, 
perhaps Aisha Verrill is there leading the New Zealand delegation this time as the Minister of Health, but uh, there certainly has been no publicity, no public announcement about it to my knowledge. But it seems that these IHRs, if adopted, and that 50% simple majority means there's a very good chance they will be, the power given to the, not so much the WHO as an organisation, but to the the individual, the director general of the WHO, just seems quite frightening, yes. doesn't it, Matt? Because you've got uh, him having the capability to call a, a, a pandemic uh around the world in individual countries. But then on top of that, he can insist on travel documents, on mandated, mandated vaccines, and we're back to where we were um, in 2021, 2022. It just seems as if we are not prepared to learn. I, I think that's yeah. very well put. Yeah. Um, look, 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 it is. Certainly, uh, previous Director General of Health, Ashley Bloomfield, was in, um, well, New York, I think it was, uh, or Geneva, um, yeah, Geneva's WHO, um, in the, the two weeks before Christmas, um, because they were, uh, well, he was co-chairing the committee that was considering the changes that have now been um, recommended and are being put to the, um, the World Health Assembly for ratification um, over the next few weeks. So, so he was certainly there. Um, and, and the kind of the secrecy um, and the implications of, of all this, just leave you leave you breathless. And I think the thing people need to remember is that, um, you know, most of these agreements have are, are done in secret. Um, you know, they're not debated in Parliament, um, but these these treaties are sort of signed, uh, and and the implications are not made clear um, to the voters. Uh, and but they're being done in our name, um, and, and they're really really swinging. And the the changes that are being proposed. Um, from the previous set, which actually have been around since 2005, uh, you know, and we did see some signs of the WHO flexing its muscles and imposing, um, you know, how it had to be done um, with with the swine flu in 2008. But um, you know, the, the most alarming changes um, are the removal of of any um, discussion of of you know an individual nation's existing human rights framework. Um, and the importance of, um, you know, making making them consistent with basic freedoms uh, and, and human rights, um, and that, as you say, it's it's one person now has the supreme authority, the direct, director general, to uh, declare a pandemic. Um, they don't need to produce a justification, um, and the, the you know the member country can't argue, and basically it has to be done what it's told. And, and presumably there will be penalties um, if the country disagrees. And, and we've seen an example of this. So um, the, the monkeypox last year, um, his advisory committee, um, you know, didn't feel that it was it justified being labelled as a, as a, you know, an international health concern. Um, and yet um, Tedros unilaterally declared that it was um, and, and issued this edict. Um, and of course, Huge numbers of smallpox vaccines were bought up by by countries and, and you know marketed to vulnerable populations. Um, so there is a precedent there that um, you know this this one solitary person is going to act and and you know given the implications um, and what it's going to mean to the lives of, of people in inf- in affected countries, um, you know this this is just tyranny. It's it's a, it's a complete dictatorship if you ask me. 
Um, and, and I think we've got to wake up to what's being signed away in our name um, and, and, and demand that these politicians who, you know, who are elected, but are then going off and, and taking part in these sort of star chamber, um, you know, groups uh, fess up about what they're actually doing. Do you think New Zealand politicians know what's going on? The rank and file member of parliament who will presumably be given this information at some stage to say that, hey, we've signed up to this international treaty, a bit like John Key sent Peter Sharples off in 2010 to sign up to that United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. I mean, are we having stuff just being sneaked through in the dead of night without our, our parliamentarians, our representatives, knowing about it? Yeah, I, I think that a lot don't know, um, you know, and shame on them. You know, ignorance should be no defence. Um, but, uh, you know, there are plenty that do. Um, you know, we, we know that behind the scenes, um, some politicians are aware of the scale of vaccine harm, for instance. You know, we, we know that. Um, but officially, you know, their, their parties all just, just can't go there. You know, and it's the same with the... Um, you know, this relentless um, trans agenda um, being rolled out through education. You know, we know there's a lot of disquiet, but, um, you know, most parties are too scared to, to, to go there and they don't want to upset or, or get mainstream media, um, you know, labelling them. Um, you know, we're in an, in, a, in, in an election year and everybody's, you know, afraid of, of um, you know, blotting their copybooks um, and being, being the one that sinks their party by, you know, I don't know, telling the truth or something like that. Um, but I think the... Um, you know, the, the, ignorance is no longer a defence, um, certainly not in terms of, of the harms from the vaccine campaign and, and just, you know, the overall pandemic management. The You know, the consequences are extremely clear. You know, almost everybody you speak to, you know, knows of somebody that, that, that has been harmed in one way or another. Um, you know, and we've got raw statistics. Indeed. Um, you know, government statistics saying that, you know, never have as many New Zealanders been dying um, as, as they are now. So I don't think MPs can hide behind that anymore you know they're voted we're supposed to um, they're supposed to govern by consent um you know we, we, we remain relevant after the votes have all been counted but the way they're behaving um it's it's like you know we don't matter and we don't count um and, and i think from an international perspective um you know it's never been more important that that you know new zealand reasserts its own independence its autonomy um you know and all the other countries are in the same boat um so, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be labelled conspiracy theorist um, because it just means that I'm annoying, you know, I'm annoying somebody in the state <laughs> or the government at some point. Indeed. Um, but, but I think, you know, you know we've, we've really, we're, we're in jeopardy and we've got to wake up um, and, and, and act together to, you know, get some serious changes. This is Reality Check Radio. We're talking with Dr. Matt Shelton. You mentioned we've never seen so many deaths in New Zealand as we're seeing at the moment. Uh, the official number that came out for the calendar year of 2022 had New Zealand at uh, in excess of 37,000 deaths, a number that uh, we've never reached before, and it was about 10% higher than the average, not so much of um, the COVID years, but of the, the years pre-COVID. Sure, there's been a small increase in population in that time, but when you've got 10% more deaths than usual. How can the Director General of Health, as he was at the time, Ashley Bloomfield, say with a straight face, there are no excess deaths in New Zealand? How can a politician like David Seymour say on this radio station, there are no excess deaths? Surely the numbers there in black and white, uh, do these people 
are they just not numerate or something? I mean, the, the, the statistics are so darn obvious. Why are they denying the obvious? Well, look, I, I think we're in a new a new paradigm where, um, you know, we, we all suspected that, you know, some politicians lie at least some of the time. Um, we've all known that. But, but the, the, you know, the, they seem to have been enabled just to say whatever they, they want to say and whatever they have to say to keep the ship, um, you know, afloat. And it's and it's increasingly desperate um, and, and easy to, you know, poke holes in, in in all this sort of stuff. But when 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 they actually quote the source for their statistics, and, and you go and you have a look, and you see that that you know, if you look at our world in data, and you look at all cause mortality, you know, we're running higher than we've ever been, um, and and yet they're lying in their teeth about what's happening. Um, it actually touched twenty twenty one percent at one point. Now that might not sound a lot. Um, but but it actually is. I mean, things like death rates are incredibly stable over time, um, you know, and you can adjust for changes in population. And in fact, our population, you know, has has barely budged. In fact, it's I think it's slightly contracted during the the, the COVID years. But this is this is you know all developed countries that have seen high rates of vaccination. Exactly the same thing is happening. And again, you're getting the same you know mute response. Um, but the raw data that's coming out, you know, seems to be correct, and it's telling the same story. Um, you know, we're 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 just. I mean, you know, words do fail us frequently. You know, and I'm sure you feel the same way um, at, at at how this is happening. But the fact is, it is happening, and we have to just accept that it is, and move to actually, you know, regain control of of, of wherever this is all coming from. So, how much of this uh, particular theme will be front and centre of Democracy NZ's campaign. I mean, do you guys run the risk of being labelled as conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers, uh, yada, 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 because you want to put up some official statistics into the campaign to try and get some some oxygen? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, it, it's, it's in fact already happened. Um, you know, and I mean, in, in NZSOS, we're used to being labelled anti-vaxxers, and yet, and yet, you know, we, we, we've all given, you know, a lot of us have given vaccines our, our entire careers. Um, you know, and, and as we're getting, um, well, it's never boring to point this out because it's very important. It's not a vaccine. It never was. Um, you know, all sorts of definitions were changed um, to, to, you know, allow this thing to be, to be rolled out. Um, you know, suddenly natural immunity that humans have used for, you know, millions of years um, was was not a thing anymore. Now it's back in fashion, um, or it's just coming back in as as you know more and more people are proving themselves naturally immune. Um, so, you know, I, I think we have to just try and move past the the you know exasperation and 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 things, and just accept that um, the establishment is always going to try and diminish people that that have opposing views or all that call it out. Uh, and I think we've got to be fearless and just accept this is going to happen, see it for what it is, which is just, you know, a floundering, desperate um, state, um, you know, failing increasingly to, um, you know, have any facts on its side um, and using threats and intimidation and using the media um, to try and diminish people that are, that are just, you know, saying, look, the, the emperor's got no clothes. Yeah, uh, it's 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 stunk, and 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 we're all starting to laugh, or more and more people are starting to laugh. Uh, and I think that's what we've got to do. You know, we've got to use scorn um, and 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 things uh, along with just the truth. And and I'm part of a party that so far seems to me to be 
you know, not scared of, of um, you know, discussing these elephants in the room and, and, and calling out, you know, nonsense uh, when we see it. Um, because, you know, this is the, this is the country that, that not just we live in, but our children and our grandchildren live in as well. Um, you know, and he, human history tells us, you know, for how long things can be very, very dark for before the light might finally come back in, you know, and I don't want to spend several decades living in, in, you know, fear and misery. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, we've, we've got, we've still got an opportunity, um, and, and we'll try and, you know, use what, what, what remains of a democracy, um, you know, to get ourselves in and, and, um, start trying to put things right, you know, and, and embolden, you know, some good people, um, who are already in parliament, but who've been scared or who've been browbeaten or bullied, um, you know, into keeping quiet when they know things are wrong. Okay. Can you, can you confirm for me something that uh, I've been feeling almost anecdotally in the last few months? I, I know a lot of people, I've always known people who have got sick, right? But it just seems to be in the last few months, I've had friends, acquaintances, people I know of through a third party who have become ill, sick, some of them quite serious. And it's been at a ratio that I think is way higher than I've normally been used to throughout my life. Is that just a feeling or is that actually statistically proven that there are more sick people now than what there usually are? Well, I think you, you only have to go to any hospital, you know, in any waiting room in a GP surgery or, or in an emergency department um, to, to see that the, the system is completely overwhelmed. And, and yes, you can argue about well, it's been you know underfunded for years, and things are gradually been getting worse. Um, but but I, I agree, there there is no doubt that um, you know there are more sick people than they've, than they've ever ever been. Um, now, look, I mean, I I don't have a practicing certificate, but I've you know I, I know my stuff, and I've been a doctor for forty years, uh, well, nearly forty years um, since I graduated. And 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 you know the reason why people might get you know, X, Y, and Z illnesses is, is actually not a mystery. You know, and there's lots of really good science being done to understand, you know, what are the implications of, of you know, provoking the immune system constantly with endless jabs and, and, and things, um, and why it is that you might expect things like cancer rates and strokes and heart attacks and things like that, um, you know, to go up. The problem we have is that there's still denial that it's happening. So, you know, there isn't the rapid moves um, with, with funding, you know, to address these new, you know, this new mechanism of injury, essentially, and to understand what we're seeing. Um, and you've got uh, recurring illness everywhere, you know, practically every business that you have to deal with, you know, is struggling with lack of staff because um, people are constantly testing positive or getting COVID over and over again. Um, and you've got staff who could be in work, particularly, um, you know, nursing staff uh, who were mandated out uh, and, you know, forced to walk away from careers that they loved. Um, so you've got this this sort of perfect storm of factors, um, which which means that the um, you know the, the health system's overwhelmed, and we've just come through summer, and summer typically is the time when it's the most peaceful. Um, you know, you're least likely to get infectious diseases in you know towards the end of the summer and the and, and, and the autumn because you know our vitamin D levels are at their highest. Um, you know, and I'm saying that as a as a you know as, as just an informed private person. I'm not. I'm trying not to talk as a doctor because, you know, I could get into even more trouble than I am in already. Um, but, you know, these are just, you know, facts that many people are aware of. Um, you know, you shouldn't have the hospital being overwhelmed with, with people's respiratory infections. 
um, and things at this time of year because we haven't even gotten to winter. Yeah. Matt, I wish you well in your political uh, campaign in the next few months. Uh, it's going to be intriguing to see how much airtime, how many column inches Democracy NZ gets. I hope it goes well for you. And I thank you for talking to us uh, here on Reality Check Radio. It's, uh, as always, been a fascinating conversation. I remember first talking to you, what, a couple of years ago. And you said to me then, if I have too many more conversations like this, I could lose my job. Well, maybe you were just a touch too prescient when you said that. But uh, I commend you for the, the work and the campaigning that you're doing. And good luck for the months ahead. Oh look, look, look! Thank you, and I have to say that I think we we both suffered. Um, we both suffered for, from that interview, but it's really great to have you broadcasting again. And um, thank you so much for the, the excellent work you guys are all doing. Very good, Matt Shelton here on Reality Check Radio RCR. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to twenty fifty seven. That's two zero five seven. So get in touch with us now.